Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining the Where We Going Today podcast. Before we get started, let's take just a couple of minutes to center the mind in this moment. Try to let go of the mental busyness and chaos we may have been engaging in and try to recognize the simple beauty in being still. If we can stop the body, at least for a brief few moments, we can tune into the breath. Or if the body needs to remain in motion, perhaps we can just try to tune into the movement of our limbs in a way that's simply watchful, easeful. When we can ground our awareness in this moment, we have an opportunity to simplify our lives, to slow down, to disconnect, if you will, and to find just even a little bit of peace. good news is that we can do this often. We can choose to slow down, to quiet the body, and as the body quiets, to quiet and settle the mind. It's now been about 20 years ago that I had a very special opportunity. I had the good fortune to work as a volunteer for the U.S. Forest Service as a fire lookout on top of a little tiny glass house atop a small mountain in northern Arizona. I made my way to Flagstaff in 2003 and decided to hike up a 10,400-foot mountain called Kendrick Peak. It's on the outskirts of Flagstaff and across the way from Humphreys Peak, which is the big glorious volcano that hovers over Flagstaff in that part of northern Arizona, not far at all from Grand Canyon. 2003 was a special time for me. I'd moved out west from Florida only a year earlier to embrace the mountain climbing dirtbag sort of lifestyle. And these were exciting times. I was fully embracing this new lifestyle. And so for reasons that I no longer remember, I found myself making my way up the four and a half mile trail from the base of Kendrick up to the top. I remember it started off in a beautiful ponderosa pine forest where the trunks of the trees smell like butterscotch. 
of elk in these woods and bears. And I remember when I made my way to the top of the mountain, there it was on the very highest point was this little cabin with glass windows on three sides and there was a forest service employee inside doing what they do during the summers. And this mountain's high enough that it gets snow during the colder months of the year, but during the dry, hot, fire-stricken summer months of the year, employees would staff these little glass cabins and look for signs of fire in the distance. They used a variety of different tools in order to do so. One of the most fundamental of which was binoculars to scan every valley and ridge, not only on your mountain, but often to the distance, looking for signs of smoke. Smoke in any color can be a problem, but they also learned how to study and identify by the color of smoke to get a sense of what may be burning. And by learning the names of the ridges and the valleys and also utilizing the maps on hand there in the little lookout building, they'd radio to the other lookouts what they were spotting. They'd use this thing called a fire finder in order to pinpoint the direction precisely from the hotel, excuse me, from the lookout itself to see just where the smoke was and they'd approximate the distance. For instance, 313 degrees from Kendrick Lookout at a distance of approximately 12 miles near such and such ridge. And so then the other lookouts in the area would take a look at their map and they could determine what 313 degrees or whatever it was from Kendrick Lookout at a distance of approximately 12 miles or whatever near such and such ridge and then they would start to scan with their own binoculars. And in a similar way, then they would take their reading from their specific lookout. And in that way, they could triangulate and with a great deal of precision, nail down just where the smoke was. And then that information would be radioed to dispatch for fire crews to respond and take appropriate action. Well, this is some of the dialogue that I had with the fire lookout that I meant when I met, excuse me, that I met when I arrived on top of Kendrick Peak. Vast majority of the time there are no fires, and so there's a lot of time just to enjoy the quietude, to meet and greet any guests that may come. I don't know about now, 20 years later, but then there are lots of fire lookouts dotting northern Arizona. Kendrick was just one of, say, perhaps 15 or 20 of them. And so I spent a lot of time talking to this particular lookout, and I asked him whether he was up there all summer long or what his schedule looked like. And he said he was up there Monday through Friday, and on weekends, volunteers took over managing the lookout. And of course, my ears perked up. He put me in touch with a man named Gary McElfresh, a longtime Forest Service employee and Flagstaff, Flagstaff residence, 
He also ran a famous hot dog stand in Flagstaff since 1973. Jackson Brown, back in the day, wrote the famous Eagle song, Take It Easy, after being inspired by seeing some people at this particular hot dog stand. But in any case, Gary McElfresh was the training coordinator for the new fire lookouts for volunteers, I suppose, and that part of the forest, Coconino National Forest. And so my new friend on top of the lookout gave me Gary's contact information, and it wasn't long, maybe a couple weeks later, before I found myself returning to Flagstaff from my home in Las Vegas and going over to the fire lookout on top of Mount Eldon, right above Flagstaff, and doing my training. It was a simple process, and I was extremely enthusiastic. And before summer 2003 ended, I had my first tours of duty. And it was a very, very exciting time. I would go one weekend a month for the remainder of 2003, and I would also do the same for all of summer 2004 and summer 2005. Three glorious seasons. When it was my weekend, on Friday, I would get off of work or whatever else I had going on, and I would make the four-hour drive to this small parking area at the southern base of Kendrick Peak. And it would be nightfall, and I would hike them in the dark by headlamp, the 4.4 miles or whatever it was up to the top. And I'd find the summit nearly always windy, dark, and lonely feeling. Lookout was closed down because the full-time guy had left Friday afternoon when his shift ended. And so I'd scurry up the little metal staircase and un unlock the lock that would allow me to gain the, the catway or whatever you would call it. The walkway that surrounds the outside of the hut on the second floor. The first floor being used for storage and then I would find my way into the cabin where there were two small beds, as I recall, with a sleeping bag and a pillow. And there was also a refrigerator and a small cooking stove, and the rest was set up for the work itself. And then so when it was my time to work once a month, I'd go to sleep nervously excited with the wind howling outside and eager for the next morning to bring the sun and the views that it promised, including distant views of the south rim of Grand Canyon, not too many miles distant. And so the next morning when my shift would start, I'd open up the windows and I'd get everything all set up and dutifully begin to scan for forest fires. Generally, there wasn't much. Most of my time was spent sitting quietly, writing poetry, reading books. I remember the full-time guy would leave books by John Krakauer. Iger Dreams in particular, I remember reading up there. I read a lot of great books up there, sitting on top of this fire lookout, or in the fire lookout on top of the mountain, just invited one into wild places and wild imaginings. 
and it was sublime. And so I'd read and I'd put down the book every few minutes and grab my binoculars and scan and look for smoke. And when there one was, was one, there'd be a great deal of excitement. But my trail, the Kendrick Peak Trail, was not the only trail up. As I recall, there was also a trail called, I think it was, the Pumpkin Trail on the other side of the mountain. And it wasn't uncommon by about 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning on the weekends, because that's when I worked. Hikers would come up on day trips. And they'd have lots of questions, just as I'd had questions of my guy. I would try to answer their questions and inspire them. And I loved visiting with them. Oftentimes they'd chit-chat for five or ten minutes. And they'd sit on the concrete pad at the base of the lookout and they'd have something to eat. And then they'd wander down. Or every once in a while they would camp for a night or so down in the woods below the fire lookout. Usually when my shift would end on those Saturday evenings, it was utterly quiet. Sometimes I could hear the elk bugling in the woods, but generally it was just me and the wind and the light changing as the sun would begin to set and another night would begin. Three very, very special summers. But there was one experience that I was lacking for a long time. You see, these lookouts had these little glass-footed stools. As I recall, they're only about six or eight inches tall. You stand on them, a wooden stool with four glass feet, and they're used to deploy, apparently, when there's an electrical storm. And so in summer 2003, I didn't have any direct storms, nor did I have any in summer 2004. But as the monsoon, monsoon season began near the end of 2005, I had my opportunity to experience a storm. As part of my training, I'd been briefed on what to do when the storms came. Now, I don't remember all the ins and outs, but I remember you, of course, shut, close the windows, you sign off on the radio and unplug the communication equipment so as not to fry them by a direct hit, and you position your little glass-footed stool in the middle of the lookout next to the firefinder, and you stand there to wait out the electrical storm. And I can still remember when this storm started to brew and I did what I was trained to do. I shut everything down, I signed out of service, and although the windows were closed, the wooden protective barriers that are put up at the end of the season were not put up. I had the glass exposed so I can continue to get a look out. And the clouds started to build and, and close the lookout angry-looking clouds swirling around, flashes of lightning, sounds of thunder, and nothing special happened. Yet it was a beautiful and amazing experience. And generally, when an electric electrical storm happens, we of course want to be off the mountain. 
It's a special occasion to have an opportunity to be in the middle of it, safe in our little nest. And that's what I did. I stayed there. I watched. I saw the flashes of lightning close at hand. I heard the rumble of the thunder. I saw the clouds swirling chaotically around. And eventually, the storm passed. The wind started to die down. The air went more quiet. The clouds started to break up and to clear. And there was that familiar view. From the top of that mountain that would become so dear to me those three summers, with its ponderosa pines and the little patch of open meadow I could see on the summit shoulder. And as I said, the lookout itself was atop a little rocky knoll at the very highest point, but the summit area of the mountain itself had this open shoulder that was so inviting. And after three summers, it's remarkable how these special places can become so familiar and so personal. I felt enlivened and inspired to be in this space. And there are times that I felt lonely. It was an opportunity to immerse oneself in being alone in the quiet, just you and the lookout, just you and the wind, just view, views to the north, the Grand Canyon, or south, east, or west, and views into your own heart, for that's the place from which the poetry pose the poetry. Yeah, I wrote a great deal of poetry that summer of five, and the summer of four, and the summer of three. I don't remember why I finished after that third summer. Perhaps because my mountain climbing wanderlust had kicked in the full swing. And that one weekend a month got in the way of new adventures and perhaps there's something to be said for that but in any case here nearly 20 years later those summers atop Kendrick maintain a special place in my heart perhaps it was there that I connected first and foremost with the mountains that I grew to love Northern Arizona, Coconino National Forest, Flagstaff, and the Grand Canyon region, I suspect, will always be special and close to my heart. A place of peace, a place of wonder.
at a place where then is now. We can choose to slow down the body, to be patient with this moment as it unfolds into the next, and to cultivate a mind that grows increasingly still in the absence of chaos. <laughs>